You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about Susie and the Banshees the scream on the line I have Rob ahoy, ahoy. Ben hello and Kyle hi there the scream is the debut studio album by British rock band Susie and the Banshees it was released on November 1978 on Polydor it was produced by Susie and the Banshees and Steve Lillywhite and the genre is post-punk and I'm going to read from all music review Ned Raggett After building up an intense live reputation and a rabid fan base, Susie and the Banshees almost had to debut with a stunner. Matched with a downright creepy cover and a fair enough early production effort from Steve Lillywhite, well before he found gated drums, it's a fine balance of the early band's talents. Susie Sue herself shows the distinct commanding voice and lyrical meditations on fractured lives and situations that would win her well-deserved attention over the years. Compared to the unfocused general subject matter of most of the band's peers, songs like Jigsaw Feeling, Suburban Relapse, and especially The Barbed Contempt of Mirage are perfect miniature portraits. John McKay's metallic but not metal guitar parts, riffs that never quite resolve into conventional melodies, and the throbbing Stephen Severin Keith Morris rhythm section distill the Velvet Underground's early propulsion into a crisper punch with more than a hint of glam's tribal rumblings. The sheer variety on the album alone is impressive as Susie puts her own definite stamp on it and its sudden conclusions is a great momentum of drama. It's the concluding switch that fully demonstrates just how solid the band was then, with McKay's saxophone adding just enough a uh, droning wild card to the multi-part theatrical of the piece. Susie, in particularly, fine voice on top of it all. All right, what do we think of Susie and the Banshees, The Scream? Love it. I'd never listened to this before. Yeah? What did you I think? Like it. I It took me a few tracks to get into it, but not not a few listens, though. Like It's kind of like the first few tracks, I was still not sure, and then like... By like overground and in carcass, I I was like okay okay yeah let's, overground let's get it. I think is the one that really solidifies this album when it gets to overground and it it, it does seem like it you're either in it or you're out because mm-hmm. it, it presents nice. a lot of different ideas from the get go I mean even the foreboding first track it, it you know you're gonna be in for something but um I don't think that uh, the second track. Uh, jigsaw feeling show showcases everything that they're working with and then when it gets to overground i think it, it's kind of like okay uh, 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 it, it's like varied in this distinct way and yeah Susie's great has a great voice yeah. very commanding very like 
on top of things. And yeah, the the drum work and the rhythm section are are great here. Very post punk. I, I I didn't expect it to be because I I'd never listened to them before, but I always associated them with uh like the the goth movement, you know. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't quite know what to expect going in, and I didn't. I didn't realize it was going like there's there's so many things that they're doing that you hear from later bands in like the later 80s and early 90s, uh, just like the guitar work and the textures that they're working with it. Man, this must have sounded crazy at, at, at the time, you know? Yeah, we haven't yet got to Joy Division. I mean, obviously, they're going to be coming up and we've only mm-hmm. experienced some similar things with a couple bands, Wire, Magazine some of those other post-punk bands, but yeah, Susie really solidifies this droning. Yeah. Very goth. Yeah. That, that's what you like, like drone punk. Yeah. You it's know, cool. it's cool. It's so great to hear this, this early drony. I'm, I'm really into stuff like this. And then of course the cure is going to spin off of this. Robert Smith was actually in the band. For he was like in a, the band. Yeah. For a really short what? period of time. Really? Yeah. So is Sid Vicious. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> Sid Vicious played drums for a while. Yeah. Robert Smith was on guitar. Man, but that people were going in and out of this band before they were. That's recorded. impressive. You, you can't unplug the drums if, if Sid gets too off the rails. So that's a that's a big <laughs> leap of faith on them. <laughs> yeah. It it was like said that they, you know, they kind of it was like one of those bands that it, they were around the, the scene and I don't think they ever played the Roxy uh, in the first hundred days, but they were just one of those bands that had this this appeal. A lot of people went to see them. They had major press uh, coverage, but they didn't have a record deal. And um, actually in 1978, there was like a fan that undertook a graffiti campaign in London to spray the walls of uh, major record companies with the uh, with the words sign the banshees do it now (laughs) i saw a picture of that on like like the cbs building (laughs) polydor i guess listen so (laughs) sign them in june (laughs) please stop painting our front (laughs) yeah i agree there's a lot of variety on this record to be honest um they really shake things up like uh it's kind of funny. Some songs are kind of funny. There's like a rise sense of humor to a lot of the songs uh, like nicotine stain. It's just about trying to quit smoking, you know, carcass is, is a funny song. I was mm-hmm. seeing it in the track listing. I was like, Oh, this is going to be bleak. And then it's just about a butcher wanting to fuck a dead pig. <laughs> and then, but then they go from that into helter skelter. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. what did you guys think of helter skelter? I thought it was pretty fucking good. I was into it. Yeah. It's it's good cover. I thought it was okay. I just it's hard to. I think it's really hard to beat that original by the Beatles because it's very not Beatles. Uh, I bet it was a crowd pleaser live. Oh, abs- yeah, yeah. I don't even with the help to scouter. Yeah, da 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 da. <laughs> but it's it's interesting because it's still the seventies. This is only like eight years after like the Manson murders. You know. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, like there's like Susie's kind of edgy. I mean, like Carcass, you know, there's songs about dead pig. There's a song about dead pigs. It goes into Helter Skelter. You know, I think they're related. I think she's doing like a Manson family cult thing. Yeah, it's bleak stuff. It's like the adverts, Gary Gilmore's eyes, you know? Yeah. That, that yeah. Kinda, I mean, there is a lot of nihilism and, and darkness in the 
in the punk, post-punk, a lot of those underground bands that never saw the light of day. So yeah, I can absolutely see the sort of suburbia, dystopia, claustrophobic madness stuff that's just sort of disquieting. Yeah, I mean, uh, around this time, they're doing shows where she's wearing like a swastika. Like, oh, I forgot about. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can view it through a certain prism. You know, I don't think she would do that today. No. Um, but, uh, you know, then you kind of examine, you know, uh, the provocative nature of punk, uh, you know, in the late 70s versus now, yeah. you know. Well, yeah. Any asshole got on stage with a swastika, you'd be like, get the hell out of here. Yeah, you get, they get the shit beat of them. Uh, the, the issue with the, the swaz, the swazi is, um, so like all these kids, like in the punk scene at this point in time, they, like their parents actually grew up under like, they, they all experienced the blitz. So the kids didn't. So as far as like getting a rise out of your parents, yeah, put a swastika on because like the, the on the British side, they actually, you know, experienced it. Um, but I, I think like right at this particular point in time, there's also like uh there's some far right like British movement that's like coming into uh coming into effect. Uh I think off the the Teddy Boys, mm-hmm. they kind of just turned into like fucking like rampant racists. Wow, it came off um, the Teddy Boys? I didn't I didn't know that yeah. connection there. Yeah, and so they they start showing up at Joy Division shows like and Sieg Heiling like up front, and then all of a sudden it, it's no longer like a fu- like a you know a funny joke. It's like oh shit, like there's actual Nazis here. No, I was just gonna say yeah. There's a lot of a lot of what the Clash were speaking out against um, Joe Strummer was that alt right movement within England. Um, yeah, in some some of the kids might have been uh, just trying to get a rise out of older people. Um, of their generation, but yeah, there was definitely a movement within that, that, uh, that there was a working class, uh, you know, anti-immigrant movement, I guess you could say of the, of the alt-right in, uh, England at the, the time. The more things change, the more they stay the same, uh, Absolutely. Man. I mean, and that's <laughs> what a lot of the, the riots were. Um, I mean, they had riots in, in England and London and, uh, yeah, just had a lot to do that. Were they all that. wearing Fred Perry shirts at that point in time too? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if they Ugh. all had boots and braces like they came to be uh, uh, associated with later. No, but I'm one of the good skinheads. Yeah. Oh, you're sharp. <laughs> <laughs> what nick kent wrote about uh wrote about this group enlighten me fucking great yeah yeah like his best comparison for Susie and the banshees was velvet underground meets can and oh uh, yeah yeah i hear that just kind of you know just like said that what what they were doing to push the uh the three piece was like well beyond what anyone else had been doing up until that point and i have to admit it like 
I didn't know that Susie and the Banshees was a three piece. Um, I know there's like some crazy saxophone that gets thrown in on this record, but like ultimately it's just guitar, bass and drums or sorry, guitar, drums and her. There are, there are four pieces if you count her vocals. Are they? There's four people in the band. Uh, she just sings. And then they've got guitar, bass and drums. And the guitar player also plays some saxophone. Okay. Well, but but musically, you're hearing I, three instruments. And so it's got kind of the power trio sound, even though there's four people in the band. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I was going to say, if anything really... <clears throat> The thing that bothers me about this period of time in England with punk, post-punk, and uh, <clears throat> this music is a recording of the bass. The bass always mm. sounds really, really thin. It just does. I mean, this record has... it. I have to listen behind the guitar, and I I don't yep. like that. It's It just... It, it, the, the way it's mixed and the way it was recorded, it, it just doesn't it doesn't have a punch like uh, a lot of the other instruments do you yeah, saying you've got thin. some some lily white beef birch yeah absolutely yeah you're gonna hear a much better i think we're gonna get to uh juju on this which was in 81 and um on this project and i think you're gonna be very surprised at the difference in quality uh steve lily white on the dials and knobs uh no no, we have some someone else. I didn't realize that that he did a fairy tale of New York. I guess he's done he's done lots and lots of stuff, but uh, that was specifically I didn't know he did that. I also didn't know that he's kind of responsible for that gated reverb drum sound of the eighties. Yeah, Has this it? must be before that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is this is yeah, and that write up. I thought that was interesting that they pointed out that <laughs> yeah, it's him, but they just haven't found it yet. Can you describe that audio like uh, with words? It's really hard. I don't. I mean, other than gated reverb, like I don't know. Like, okay, okay. The the drum fill in in the air tonight. There you go. Okay. You know. Yeah, it's got that. Kind of like, yeah. <laughs> those those are the words that I'm using to describe. Okay. The the lily white drums. <laughs> nice onomatopoeia. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, I found this quote really good, though, by her. It says, we can play rock and roll, but we ignore it. Shove it in the corner. We don't see ourselves in the same context as rock groups. We're out on a limb. It's dangerous, but it excites us, makes it worthwhile. That's cool. I like that. I, I can hear that, too. Uh, yeah, Glenn Matlock, was that the bassist for the Sex Pistols? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was talking about this record, and he says... I don't know what it is, but it isn't rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Lovely>. man. <laughs> the Big only, words. The only quote you'll ever find from Glenn Matlock. <laughs> 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 uh, um, he credited uh, John McKay with the, uh, the, the flange guitar sound that became all the rage based off of this, uh, this record. I don't oh, know okay. if you guys. Oh, cool. That. Yeah. Yeah, he's a big influence. I mean, everybody in the 90s, Steve Albini, um, everyone credits him as having the discordant the discordant chords and, and it's fl like, flange. And it's like Pixie's guitar. Yeah. Mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's like one of the things I touched on earlier, just like so many of just like the instrument sounds and textures I was getting from this. I 
didn't realize were existing this early in human existence. Mm-hmm. I, I just associated it with like a, a decade later a little bit, but it's, it's really cool to hear. Yeah. I really thought this was going to sound like joy division, like just, just based on knowing Susie, like knowing the cure and always associating Susie and the Banshees with like the goth movement. I really, I, I was not expecting uh post-punk. I'm, I'm really, really happy that this happened to my ears. <laughs> Does uh, Ber- Birch, are you uh, familiar with their catalog? Uh, somewhat. I'm not a, like, do, I'm not a super does fan. Their, but... Does their style evolve yeah. any direction from, from this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it evolves yeah. in in probably the way that you would imagine with with Gated post- reverb drums. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you heard Cities and Dust? <laughs> What's that, Kyle? Have you heard the song Cities and Dust? I, I might have, but... Uh, Ooh, it is one of my favorite yeah. 80s songs. It is a banger. Oh, yeah? I need to look yeah. that one up. Cities and Dust. Cities in dust. Cities in dust. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. But you're gonna yeah. you're yeah, gonna have a, a bit less angular post punk uh, droneness and a little little more. What would you say, goth rock? I don't know. Not yeah. rock, but it's more. I don't know. Pop. It's hard to call it pop. But it's, I guess yeah, it's it's kind of similar to the Cure, you know, yeah. in the mid eighties. Yeah. It fits right in line with the the cure swirling, you know, soundscapes, but still has a. I mean, Susie is is maybe not wailing as much as much as singing. It's it, it it's weird. It's like I don't know how to describe it, but you can absolutely imagine hearing this album and just having your preconception of what '80s music sounds like and goth '80s mm-hmm. music. You can almost just put it together. <laughs> it's good though. We're gonna get to some more. So, I was interested to find out that Hong Kong Garden isn't on this record, but the single like hit and started charting while they were recording the record. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so, I don't know when they recorded the single then, unless it was the first thing they did in the studio, and they just like, all right, gotta press it. Uh, Hong Kong Garden. Yeah, that one came out. You're right. It came out right before as a single. It's all right. Yeah. But I, that, that was one song that I was like, oh, I know this song. Yeah. But it sounds nothing like the rest of the record. Yeah. It's strange that that, that song has become a staple with, uh, with the band. I mean, it's, it's one of the most well-known songs that they have. And it's one of the first things they kind of recorded. Yeah. The only song I had heard off here was a metal postcard. Um, and that song's fantastic. Um, I'm glad I finally got to finally check out this record. Um, but the song metal postcard was covered by massive attack in 1997 for the soundtrack to the movie, the Jackal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That, That checks. I think that's like a Bruce Willis flick, right? Yeah, I saw that in the oh, theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good song, though. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I um, found out that the song uh, Mirage was played as an intermission during Morrissey's 1991 tour. I don't know what album he was touring off of, but he had Mirage play like, I guess, maybe not intermission. Maybe it was like right before he went on, like if he was headlining. Like that, that was going to be the one that was playing, but that was like his walk on music. 
I think so, yeah. Well, how about that's a good song? It is. Good song and a good record. That's how you do it. And a good man, Morrissey. (laughs) 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 We'll get to that later. Kyle, that's so brave. (laughs) (laughs) So I've from like reading about some of these other like first wave British punk bands, the scene around the Roxy and in the area, Susie pops up a lot. Not like uh, like not only with the Banshees, but almost just as like a a scene fixture. Uh, what, there was like a crew of them. Like what is it the Br- the Bromley contingent? Do, Birch, do you know like the chronology on that? Like it w- was she like part part of that? Like at the same time as the Banshees, or is that did she like come out of the Bromley contingent into? She was she like, was her, her own stardom. Yeah, probably the latter. You could say um, because she was definitely part of the you know the scene i guess you could say Mm -hmm. she was a scenester that she would go to all the shows i mean she was for crying out loud she was on uh the talk show with the sex pistols you know where they notoriously were uh cited for uh vulgar language i mean she was she was there a part of the everything you know a part of the roxy going to all Mm -hmm. the all those shows yeah, and they came from Bromley region of of London, and it's it's one of those things where you see bands, you start a band. Uh, yeah, we've been there. You know, it's it's yeah. <laughs> everything's going on. Everybody's forming these bands, and you can do it. Anybody can That's do awesome. it. So she yeah. was she was part of the that initial. Um, and I'm glad she did because she has great ideas and. Yeah, uh, a really good voice for what she wants to portray uh, in the music. I think that's that's one of the things that I think makes her uh, a little bit ahead of her peers is that, well, one, her her idea about what it should sound like, what the like her vocalization should sound like. And then part of it's the writing and and right band at the right time, you know, um, solid bat- backbeat and solid uh, drumming bass. Great guitars. It's good soup. still active what's she what's she up to you know i don't even know don't know i don't know what her her last uh albums are she did a song with danny elfman off uh, 1992's batman return soundtrack oh there we go there you go face to face great song they i know they did reissues recently in 2018 um looks like a Within the last decade, she's done a few like one-offs at a uh, like a uh, around around England. Yeah, she yeah. probably looked at Robert Smith and was like, "Nah." She looked at Robert Smith. <laughs> she looked at Morrissey, and she looked at John Lydon, and she's like, "Ah." <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should mention, even though 
I don't know if it's important or not, but she obviously uh, created the uh, the cat eyed the some people call it doe eyed mascara uh, swoop to the side of the eyes. She is responsible for so many punk rock. Um, wow. People you mean like de- like death from the Sandman. Uh, yes. Series? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Her, her look like her, her eyes almost look like Egyptian to me, like the way she sculpts like the bridge of her nose into her eyebrows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good another good point is that is it's a very interesting because um, it's not it's not perceived to be like this is a a pretty look. It is like a painted, it's like a face painted look. Very stylized. Very stylized. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, talk about sort of coming out of the gate and being a presence. I think uh, she's, if you watch any videos of her, she's very much um, has a lot of charisma that can carry, carry through with uh, songs like this. So, de- like, Rob, I'd never thought of that before. W- Death from Sandman was based on Susie, though, right? Like, it, there's no two ways about it. Yeah. I mean, it was that and I, uh, Tori Amos, right? Okay. I yeah. think it was those two uh, kind of just wuzzled together. Well, basically any crush that Neil Gaiman had. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, yeah. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that- well played. Um, one thing that did pop up on the uh, when I was reading about the album, Tracy Thorne from Everything But the Girl, which apparently is a band that is sold, yeah, platinum records. I know them. And uh, yes. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. We may, maybe we get them. I don't we know. Do. Uh, but she she's uh, just like in a like little like uh, remembering back in 1978 type thing as an important year. She said that uh, back. Then when I only had five or six records, I'd listen to each of them over and over, knowing every beat, every word, every scratch. And the records that she listed, she got some pretty good taste. Elvis Costello's My Name is True, The Scream by Susie and the Banshees, The Jams in the City, Moving Targets by Penetration, and Another Music in a Different Kitchen by the Buzzcocks. Heck so yeah. if that says anything about that particular band, um, you know, that's a... Uh, Hopefully, when we get to them, I will hear all of those influences no, and be won't. very, very you won't happy. Hear any oh, of those no. ah. <laughs> Damn it. Maybe Elvis Costello. I can't believe how much I enjoy this. Uh, I, I can't believe how much I enjoy this record. I'm just surprised that it is the record that I I didn't expect this record. Yeah. I think I'm repeating myself now. But yeah, this is this is a fucking rad yeah. record. It's a great record. Either, Rob. Yeah. I'm into it. Wish I had gotten to it earlier. I, uh, you know, with the the current political climate and just the weather, this this record hit me. It was great. It's bleak. It's um, like a sonic assault. Um, I, I felt this record. I love this record. How, mm-hmm. how much uh, do you guys listen to uh, Joy Division and Gang of Four? Um. They're not, not my go-to. Not really at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I listen to Gang of Four probably more than uh, say Joy Division. I like Joy Division. Okay, we're in for some good records. I like New then. Order. Yeah, yeah. I, I like this stuff a lot. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of this. That's that's going to be a uh, rigid. I guess I would say. 
I'm into it. I'm here for it. Scarring. Rigid. In the, uh, scarring and drony. Uh, very angular. <clears throat> oh, and yeah, so just so much of so much of that uh, like Krautrock influence in this stuff. Like I am, I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. You know, like what I, I I hear it so much now. Like now that I'm listening to music, mostly chronologically. Uh, like it used to be, like I would I would listen to like a Kraftwerk album, or or something like that, and. I liked it, but I wasn't able to just draw those direct lines towards like, like late seventies stuff and, and, the, and different types of music that I like, but like listening to it in order, like we have and getting that whole movement and then segueing into this movement. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's so apparent now. Absolutely. Uh, I did want to say for suburban relapse, Susie, one of the Banshees uh, music to, sound you know cinematic so the song was inspired by bernard's herman score and uh, alfred hitchcock's psycho oh yeah where the guitars echo the nice screeching violins of the famous shower scene that's fantastic i love that song yeah uh i listen to that several times uh, i'm sorry i disturbed your cat nap but while finish- finishing a chore i asked myself what for then something snapped i had a relapse that song is great <laughs> yeah <laughs> These are very clever lyrics. I'm, uh, oof. Yeah. I also think Nintendo, uh, you know, missed Switch. out on an opportunity to use the <laughs> song Switch for their yeah. new console. <laughs> Watch the muscles yeah. switch for a brand new Switch. That's right. <laughs> and then that sax comes on. <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> uh, that is that is a closer for a record, for yeah, sure. It's a good one. And, Birch, speaking of movies, uh, I read that like the album cover and maybe, maybe part of the mood of the album was, was inspired by that Burt Lancaster movie, the swimmer, which I have never seen, but I read the plot of that sounds weird, man. Yeah, it does. Have you seen it? I've never seen it. I thought that was crazy. You want to watch it sometime? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I thought it was really crazy. I did read about the photographer um, and his concept for the record cover that they just had, they went to a pool, he picked out a certain lane that looked good and then they just lit it. uh, So it would look like it was dark and people were just swimming in the dark, but it had certain lights to, to present people underwater. Uh, Mainly they wanted, Susie wanted that sort of idea or the, Maybe a photographer wanted it. I can't remember which, but because you can't scream underwater, that's it's it would suffocate you, and that's that was kind of the idea why they would have a a diver or people swimming on the cover. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really striking, and a lot of people did comment on the cover because it's not Susie. Susie is such a, you know looks icon icon yeah in in the scene and so to not put her on the cover is a is a strange choice it's an interesting choice that they made well i like it yeah thumbs up make gusta i think everybody's on the positive on this one definitely okay Yeah. yeah cool yeah i'll probably come back to this one some more um it'd been a minute but uh yeah great album All right, next time we'll be talking about ACDC, Highway to Hell. Thank you.